Let us all turn to the Word of God this evening. And our chapter is surely one of the easiest to locate in the Bible, either the first chapter, that would be Genesis, or here, as is the case tonight, the book of Revelation. Revelation, and the chapter 22. We're going to read together from verse 1. We wouldn't know anything about heaven, you see. Not in the least, unless the Lord himself showed us. And you can be absolutely assured in your mind that when the Lord showed his servants of old aspects of glory, in John's case, for example, also in Paul's case, actually admitted them into his immediate presence and conducted them through the paravon gates of the New Jerusalem, that their experience was one never to be forgotten. What did the Lord show them? Here's a little bit of information in chapter 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face. And his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle. Neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, 
For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he says unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. For the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs, and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, Whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. See that emphasis there, especially. Well, anybody can read Revelation. Anybody from any part of the world who can read and who would have a Bible. And read from Revelation 22. But in particular, it's as if the Lord just put an address on the message, especially for the churches, God's people are. I am the root and offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with you all. Amen. Praise the Lord.
Let's all unite our hearts together, please, in prayer. We'll open the Word of God at the last book of the Bible, Revelation 22, and let's pray together. Father, we thank Thee tonight for those who can say that they're marching to Zion. And we pray, O God, that You will call many more unto Thyself. And we pray that every individual within these walls and others that are joining us online and others that perhaps will listen in at a later time might hear and know the call of God and respond and turn to the Savior and enter through that straight gate onto the narrow way that leads to heaven and home. Thank you, Lord, for your promise that where two or three are met together in thy name, there art thou in the midst. We pray that we might know much of the presence of God in these moments. Speak into our hearts and lives. Glorify thy Son. Grant the infilling and the enablement and the help of the Spirit of God. We humbly pray with thanksgiving in the Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. You know, oftentimes the idea is given that in heaven our activity will be very limited, and there won't be all that much to do in heaven. But the reality is tonight that the exact opposite is the case. The Lord will have much to occupy our time in heaven. There will be much for us to do whenever we reach glory land itself. We certainly will not spend all the time singing and strumming hearts and just sitting around without moving and without being active. The Word of God makes it very clear that there will be much for us to do in heaven. Heaven will certainly not be a boring place. And we will never get tired in heaven, and we will never get tired of heaven. Ultimately, we will have glorified bodies made like unto our Savior's body. The Bible says in 1 John uh, chapter 3, And beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him for we shall see him as he is. And these bodies of ours, the Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, shall be changed and we shall put on incorruption and we shall put on immortality. And we will one day have glorified bodies, reunited body and soul and spirit all together. And our glorified bodies will not have the weaknesses or be subject to the infirmities that our present bodies have. And the Word of God also says that whenever we reach heaven, we will have perfect knowledge as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 10 says, Yes, now we see through a glass darkly, but someday we will see Him face to face. Now we know in part but then shall we know even as we also are known. And one day we will have a full understanding. We will have perfect knowledge, perfect bodies, and we will enter into perfect fellowship with our Savior. So I believe tonight that it's safe to say that there is really no limit as to what we will do in the new heavens in the new earth, and in this celestial city, New Jerusalem. We have to confess tonight that these 
minds of ours presently cannot understand or comprehend or take in what the Lord has prepared for his people. Even the Apostle Paul, this giant of theology, acknowledged that when he said, The eye has not seen, neither hath the ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. There are things that we will enjoy in heaven that we can't even begin to comprehend or understand this side of glory. But the Word of God, nevertheless, does shed a lot of light as to what we will be doing in heaven. There are some things that the Bible makes it very clear that we will enjoy and experience in heaven with perfect knowledge, with perfect understanding, with perfect motives, with perfect bodies, in perfect fellowship with our Savior. So over the last number of weeks, we've been asking some great questions about heaven. Who goes to heaven? The inhabitants of heaven. What will heaven look like? The architecture of heaven. And we've considered the new heavens and the new earth a little bit, and the kingdom of heaven, heaven as well being likened onto a country, and then in the center of that country, the celestial city itself, the New Jerusalem. And we thought about some of the aspects of the New Jerusalem, its size and its, its gates and its walls and its foundation and the throne in the center and the river of life and the streets of gold and the, the tree of life and many aspects of heaven. And then we thought as well about some of the things that won't be in heaven. And then we considered as well, last Lord's Day evening, some of the things that will be in heaven, the attractiveness of heaven, the inhabitants of heaven, the architecture of heaven. And tonight, another question, what will we do whenever we get to heaven, our employment in heaven? I want you to consider a few simple aspects of this great truth and this great question this evening. The first thing that we will do in heaven we will worship in heaven. Heaven is a place of worship. If you turn back a page or two in your Bible there to Revelation 19, verse number 1, John says, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. And again, verse number 5, And a voice came out of heaven, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Perhaps our primary activity whenever we get to heaven, will be to worship the Lord and to worship the Lamb. Everything that we do in heaven will be in an atmosphere of praise and worship. In fact, our very purpose, the very reason for our existence, the very reason that God created man in the first place was that we might honor Him and glorify Him and worship Him, and exalt Him. The old Westminster divine said it well, man's chief end 
His primary purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Do you remember the Lord when He was being tempted in the wilderness at the very commencement of His earthly ministry and was tempted of the devil to bow down and worship Him, the Savior said, Thus it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. And on this earth, mankind will worship anyone and anything other than God. Satan, Lucifer, the son of the morning, is described as being the God of this world. And in this world, he craves directly or indirectly the worship of humanity. He even tempted the Savior to bow down and worship him. And Satan craves worship. And there's coming a day whenever the man of sin, Antichrist, will be revealed. And the Bible says that the world will wander after the image of the beast. And they will worship his image. And you see that typified and pictured many times in Old Testament Scripture, as as well we see it in the New Testament. We see it there in the book of Daniel, the king of Babylon, erecting a great image in the plain of Jura, and asking all of the, all of the inhabitants of the nation to bow down and to worship this great image. This, the devil craves and covets worship. The Scripture says that behind every idol that men bow down to, there's a spirit, there's an influence, there's a spiritual influence behind that. And Satan craves worship, and mankind will worship anything other than the very God who calls for true, true worship. But those who have learned by the grace of God to worship God in time will worship the Lord for all eternity. And whenever we get to heaven, our worship will be absolutely sincere. Our worship in heaven will be fervent. It will be absolutely perfect. And we will truly worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Now, I believe tonight that every true Christian born again of the Spirit of God has got something of that desire within their hearts. The Lord said to the woman at the well, they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And she talked about that well. And she says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain and they worshipped at this well. And the Lord drew her attention away from all of those earthly things and said, the Father wants those who worship Him to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And as soon as that woman was converted... She had a desire to witness. She had a desire to walk with the Savior. But she also had a desire to worship Him. God in heaven demands our worship. God in heaven deserves our worship. And God in heaven delights in our worship. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of Israel. And wherever you get a believer or a group of believers, there might only be two or three, and they're gathered together in the Lord's name to worship Him, Jesus Christ says, I am right there in the midst of them. Can I ask you tonight, what is it that captivates your heart? What is it tonight that gets your attention? 
Who or what is it tonight that you invest most of your time and your interest and your love and your devotion to? Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Why? Because he alone is worthy. The angels in heaven worship the Lord, but the spirits of just men made perfect gather around the throne and they sing the song, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive honor and glory and power and dominion. We're going someday to worship the Lord in heaven. That's one thing we're going to do in heaven. We're going to worship the Lord in heaven. But then something else we're going to do in heaven is we're going to enjoy perfect fellowship in heaven. Heaven is a place of worship and praise. Heaven is also a place of fellowship. And whenever a Christian, a believer, gets to heaven, they will enjoy perfect fellowship with Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says that presently in this world, we walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. But there's coming a day whenever we leave the scene of time as God's people, the Bible says that we shall see Him as He is and we shall be like Him. And the Scripture says we shall see His face. And there's coming a day whenever faith will give way to sight. And we will enter into the physical reality of walking in perfect harmony, fellowship, and communion with our God and with our Savior. My friends, tonight we need to remind ourselves that that is one of the reasons why Jesus Christ died for us upon the cross. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. That's why so many times our New Testament says things like this. Have ye have received Jesus Christ the Lord, so also walk ye in Him. We should walk in newness of life. The Bible says that we have fellowship with God, and this fellowship is in His Son. Fanny Crosby said, Oh, the pure delight of one single hour that before His throne I spend, and I kneel in prayer, and with Thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. And someday the Christian, the child of God, is going to enter into perfect fellowship with the Savior. We began our address tonight by saying that in this world we have got a very limited sense of knowledge. But there's coming a day whenever we shall know, even as we are known by Him, we'll have perfect knowledge. Do you remember whenever the Lord began to wash the feet of his disciples in John 13? And Peter said, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Do you remember the Lord's answer? Peter, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. 
And yes, I believe there was a sense in which after the crucifixion and after the resurrection, Peter would understand something of the reason why the Lord washed his feet. But that great text of Scripture has got tremendous application for every Christian that experiences something in life under the hand of God that they cannot make sense of or understand. Have you ever asked the Lord that question, Why, Lord? Lord, what are you doing in my life? Lord, I can't understand that you would have me in this place and you would have me to walk this pathway and it's so difficult for us to understand. And the Lord says, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. There's an old Christian song and it says, We'll talk it over in the by and by. We'll talk it over, my Lord and I. I'll ask the reason, and he'll tell me why, when we talk it over in the by and by. We will enjoy fellowship with Christ in heaven. And that's going to make heaven really to be a place of glory and joy, because we'll be in his immediate presence. But we'll also enjoy fellowship with his church. There'll be no petty squabbles with other Christians in heaven. There'll be no personality clashes in glory. There'll be no doctrinal differences in heaven. There'll be no questionable behavior in heaven. Christians in heaven will not be picking holes in each other's theology because we'll yes of perfect knowledge. And will not be pointing at other Christians and saying, he shouldn't be doing that, she shouldn't be doing that, because in heaven we will all be perfect. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 22 and 23 says, Ye come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. That's the real church. No denominations in heaven. The general assembly of the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all the earth, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. I believe tonight in heaven we will have fellowship with the saints of old. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, and verse number 11, Jesus Christ our Lord said, Many shall come from the east and from the west, or other places in Scripture talk about the four corners of the earth. Many shall come from the east and from the west and shall sit down, listen to this, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. We will enjoy fellowship with Christ, but we will also enjoy fellowship with saints who have gone on before some of the great giants of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and will sit down with them in heaven, and with loved ones who have gone on before. You know those beautiful verses at the end of 1 Thessalonians 4? The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the trump of God and the voice of the archangel. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with 
the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? With them, but also with the Lord in the presence of Christ, which is far better. I believe as well, whenever we get to heaven, we will enjoy fellowship with Christ and fellowship with His church. And did you ever consider this, that in heaven we will eat together the marriage Supper of the Lamb is spoken about in Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 9. And whenever the Son of God rose from the grave triumphant in His resurrection body, that same body that He lived in and died in and went to the cross in, that same body was raised again perfectly, but it was a resurrection body. And it was a glorified body. And whenever the Savior appeared to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee as they had toiled all night and taken nothing, do you remember what he said to them? He said, come and dine with me. And he had made for them some fish and some honeycomb and they enjoyed fellowship together and they ate together. Do you remember the Lord's words at the Last Supper? Matthew 26 and verse number 29, I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And after the second coming of Jesus Christ in a glorified body, we will enjoy fellowship with Christ, fellowship with all of His church. And the Word of God, I believe, teaches us clearly that we will eat in heaven. Maybe you say tonight, well, what are we going to eat? That's a good question, isn't it? But the eye hath not seen, neither hath the ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man, the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Revelation 22 and verse number 5 says that they shall eat from the tree of life. Verse number 3, rather, they shall eat from that tree of life. And the Word of God also says in Psalm 78, even concerning the children of Israel, that they ate angels' food. I don't know what we're going to eat in heaven, but I tell you it's going to be better than anything that we've enjoyed on earth. We will not eat in heaven because we need to eat, but we will enjoy eating in heaven just for the sheer pleasure of enjoying the good things that God has provided. So we're going to worship the Lord in heaven. We're going to enjoy fellowship in heaven. And then we will also serve the Lord in heaven. Revelation 22, verse number 3, it says, There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. Heaven is not going to be for the lazy. Heaven is going to be a place where God's people will be busy. It is for those who learned to serve in time. And they will enjoy perfect service in heaven. You know, the eternal life does not begin whenever we die. Eternal life begins the moment we're born again of the Spirit of God. And fellowship does not begin in heaven. Worship does not begin in heaven. Service does not begin in heaven. Worship and fellowship and service for Christ begins the moment that we are converted. Jesus Christ says that He will admit 
into heaven those who have served him on the earth. Matthew 25, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. We need to remind ourselves again and again and again that whenever the Lord saves an individual, He saves them in order that they might worship Him, in order that they might fellowship with Him, and in order that they might serve Him. The first question that Saul of Tarsus asked immediately after he had asked the Lord, Who art thou? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And then evidence that he had been born again. Lord, the Lordship of Christ, what wilt thou have me to do? And Paul began to realize right there and then his great purpose in life was to know Christ to worship Him, to fellowship with Him, and also to serve Him. The opening chapter of Revelation 1, Revelation 1, 5 and 6 says that God has made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. And the priestly tribe, the Levites, were those who were known for their service and for their ministry. And right now, the Word of God says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And it's the Christian's prerogative and delight to serve the Lord, even here in this world below. But in heaven, God will have assignments for us in glory. And we will derive great satisfaction, fulfilling His will perfectly. Remember the Lord taught us to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is done in heaven. God has a plan and a purpose for every believer in this life, but he's got a greater plan and purpose for us still in the world to come. And we will serve the Lord without any type of restraints. There will be no time restraints. Time often seems to be against us. There will be no restraints regarding our ability. There will be no restraints regarding our motivation. Sometimes we have to lament that we don't really desire to serve the Lord. Sometimes we shy away from it. And we're not really motivated to serve the Lord. There will be no such problems in heaven. There will be no restraints regarding discipline or interruptions or opposition from the world. There will be no distractions. And praise God, there will be no discouragements either. We will be able to serve the Lord, worship the Lord, and fellowship with the Lord in an atmosphere of perfection with perfect motives and perfect bodies in which to serve the Lord. When we were created, we were created to worship, fellowship, and serve the Lord. But sin destroyed that. But Calvary restored it. And then heaven will perfect it. So whenever we get to heaven, we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to enjoy fellowship in heaven. We're going to enjoy service in heaven. Revelation 22 also indicates that whenever we get to heaven, verse number 5, we are going to reign in heaven. Look at what it says in verse number 5. There shall be no night there, and they need no candle nor light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they, 
That's the saints of God. Along with the Lord, they shall reign forever and ever. Surely that is one of the most striking things about heaven. That saints will reign in heaven. Revelation 1.6 says, God has made us priests, but he has also made us kings. Isn't that a remarkable thing? Did you ever think about that? Jesus Christ our Lord is the king of kings. What kings is the word of God speaking about whenever it says, in heaven, after time is done and we enter into the eternal state, that he is the king of kings. Well, the word of God says he has made us kings and priests unto God. And therefore, the word of God says in heaven, we will reign, God will see to it that we will have the responsibility And not only the responsibility, but the perfect ability to manage and oversee the arrangements that God has made for us in heaven. You know, one of the greatest fears that any servant of the Lord has in time is the fear of failure. But whenever we get to heaven, we will have perfect ability, perfect desire, perfect satisfaction in being and in doing the things that God wants us to do. Now, there's a lovely parable that the Savior told back there in the Gospel of Luke and chapter 19, and we grant tonight that it's a parable. But in this great parable, Luke chapter 19 and verse number 17, the Lord says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in very little. Have thy authority over Ten cities. Verse 19, likewise to another, be thou faithful over five cities. And I wonder tonight, I'm tempted to believe, I'm persuaded almost, that the new Jerusalem is the capital city in heaven. But I believe tonight that there will be other cities in heaven. The new Jerusalem is the capital Because the Scripture makes it very, very clear that God is going to create a new heavens, plural, and a new earth. And we ought not to think that the kingdom of heaven somehow will be smaller than the present kingdom of this universe. I believe the new heavens and the new earth will be greater far than the atmospheric heavens above us and all around us. It says furthermore in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 3 that we shall judge angels. We're going to reign in heaven and we're also going to judge angels. Hebrews 12 and 22 speaks about coming to this heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels. And we have noted as well Revelation 5, 11 and other nights. Their number was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And the Lord will grant that his people, the spirits of just men and women made perfect, will be kings and priests unto God and we will judge and rule and reign even over the angels themselves. We're going to govern in heaven the new heavens, and the new earth. 
And the more faithful we are in life, the more responsibility God will give us in heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. And again, those things are things that the eye hath not seen, the ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. I believe furthermore, not only will we worship in heaven and enjoy fellowship in heaven and serve the Lord in heaven and reign in heaven, but it's my conviction that we will also travel in heaven. Heaven is not only a city and be considered the great dimensions of heaven, it's a very large place. And we will be able to travel throughout that celestial city. But heaven is also described as a kingdom. Heaven is also described as a country. Isaiah 65, 17, a new heavens, plural. And that's speaking about the atmospheric heavens. And God is going to create a new heaven or new heavens. Whenever we look up at night, we see the atmospheric heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets. And some maybe have noticed that there's two very bright stars in, in, in the sky tonight. You'll see them just out here to my right on the way out. I'm not sure what planets they are. I think one of them's Jupiter, maybe the other one's Saturn. And the moon was just sitting in between them earlier on in the week. And we look up and we see the atmospheric heavens. Well, God says he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And I believe tonight we'll be able to travel and see a lot of it. Because the celestial city, New Jerusalem, is a walled city. And the Bible says that in the walls of the New Jerusalem, there are 12 gates. Now what do we suppose is outside of the gates of the new city, the New Jerusalem? Just a vacuum, a void, a, a vacuum of nothingness? Or the new heavens? and the new earth. I'm persuaded that that is the teaching of the Word of God, because John says in Revelation 21 and verse number 2, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them and be his uh, they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And right at the very center of it all, the new Jerusalem, the immediate dwelling of God, and all around it, the kingdom of heaven itself, the new heavens, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, right in the very center. And these glorified bodies of ours will not be bound by space or by physical things. The Savior himself was able in his resurrection body just to appear in the upper room, the doors being shut, and appear there with his disciples and minister unto them. And we're going to have a resurrection body, a glorified body like his. One last thing that we'll certainly do in heaven, we will worship in heaven, we will enjoy fellowship in heaven, we will serve our Lord in heaven, we will reign in heaven. We will certainly travel throughout the kingdom of heaven, but we will also enjoy perfect rest in heaven. You think with all of these things, continually worshiping and there's no night in heaven. 
and we're worshiping and we're reigning and we're serving and we're fellowshipping and we're traveling and we're doing all of these wonderful things we're reigning, but all the while we will enjoy perfect rest. Now often in this world of ours, we think about having a rest, kicking off your shoes at night, throwing yourself back into a, a sofa or going to bed early and just thinking, I'm spent, I'm exhausted. But that's all because of the infirmities that sin has left in this world. But whenever we get to heaven, we'll be perfect. And we will never be tired and we will never be weary. It says in Revelation chapter 14 and verse number 13, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. And the word labors there really indicates our burdens. The burdens of life. Savior spoke about that, didn't he? In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. But we're going someday to rest from our labors. But our works, our spiritual works, will follow us into heaven. And we will rest from our labors. And we will rest in our service for Jesus Christ. Now, it's my conviction tonight that a Sabbath day, a Lord's day well spent, ought in some small way to prefigure or picture heaven. Remember whenever the Lord created the heavens and the earth right there in the beginning, in the space of six literal 24-hour lunar days, the evening and the morning was the first day. That indicates that we're thinking about literal days the darkness, the light. He divided the light from the darkness, morning and night, evening and morning, the first day. And then on the seventh day, the Lord rested. Now, God did not rest because He was tired. He did not rest because He was weary and heavy laden. He rested that He might enjoy what He has created and enjoy fellowship with Adam whom He created. And so a day of rest is a creation ordinance given long before the children of Israel arrived at Mount Sinai. God granted a day of rest so that Adam and Eve and creation could enjoy fellowship with the Lord before even the fall took place. And whenever Jesus Christ came into the world, he did not abolish that principle, because it was written by the finger of God in stone at Mount Sinai. And the Savior said, whenever he came, think not that I am come to destroy the law, I am come to fulfill. And then he spoke of the Sabbath and said, and the word Sabbath does not mean seventh, it just means rest. He says, the Sabbath was not made, or man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. I've given you a day of rest. And that day of rest is to be a day of rejoicing, a day of worship, a day of fellowship, a day of service, a day of prayer, a day of witnessing to the glory of the Lord. It should, yes, be a day of rest, but also a day of activity. And the book of Isaiah says that we're to call the Sabbath a delight. Resting from our earthly toils and labors and legitimate earthly pursuits 
as it says in Isaiah 58, not doing thine own pleasure, but rather calling the Sabbath a delight, this day of rest. And it should be a little foreshadowing of heaven. Is it, it's no wonder tonight that our world is filled with anxiety and weariness and people burning the candle at both ends, never taking a day to worship and rest from their labors and their earthly pursuits and honor the Lord and worship the Lord and fellowship with the Lord and serve the Lord. Heaven will be like a perfect Sabbath forever and ever and ever. Rest from the weariness, wearisome labors of the burdens of life. Resting from the troubles and strife of life. Resting from striving against Satan and sin, our rest will be in worship, in fellowship, in service, and in being in the presence of the Savior. The hymn writer said, The men of grace have found, I want you to listen to the words, the men of grace have found glory begun below, celestial fruits on earthly ground, are able to grow in the heart of a believer. The men of grace have found glory begun below. And all of the things that a believer will enjoy in heaven, they enjoy to a small, small degree on this world below. Worship, fellowship, service, authority, travel, and at last rest. I wonder tonight, can I ask you, are these things that you personally enjoy in this world? Or do you think tonight, well, I don't really want to worship the Lord. I take no desire to fellowship with the Lord. I have absolutely no desire at all to serve the Lord. I don't really want to, to reign with the Lord, and I don't really want to go places for and with the Lord, and I certainly don't really want to rest and spend the day worshiping the Lord. I suggest to, the, to you tonight that if you do not enjoy fellowship and worship and service and a day of rest, there's something wrong. I say that in the authority tonight of the Bible. Why do I say that? Because the book of Ezekiel speaks about what it means to become a new creature in Christ. Remember Paul said, if any man's in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Well, the prophet Ezekiel described it this way. I will give you a new spirit, and I will put within you a new spirit, and I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments, and shall do them. That's why the Apostle Paul, as a believer, not under the condemnation of the law, not under the law as a means of salvation, he was able to say, the law, I delight in the law of God after the inner man. It's not legalism to worship. It's liberty. It's not legalism to fellowship with the Lord. It's liberty. It's not legalism to serve the Lord. It's liberty. It's not legalistic to want to rest in the Lord. It's perfect liberty.
We'll also receive a reward whenever we get to heaven. He comes and his reward is with him. But I want to ask you tonight in closing, are you ready? Are you right for heaven? Do you walk with God tonight? Do you love him tonight? Do you want to worship him tonight? Do you want to have fellowship with him tonight? Do you enjoy prayer? Do you enjoy his word? Do you enjoy being amongst the people of God? Do you have a desire to tell others? A desire to serve? You see, long before a believer enters into heaven, heaven enters into the believer. Because where Jesus is, tis heaven there. And what is a Christian? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's pray together. We'll not sing any more. Time has gone on. But let's just have a word of prayer together. Let's thank the Lord for his goodness to us today and for his hand upon us. And I'm asking you tonight to be absolutely honest. Are you in fellowship with the Lord? Are you walking with the Savior? Do you love him tonight? As the Spirit of God entered in, do you delight in the law of God after the inner man? Let's pray together. Loving God and everlasting Father, we're so blessed tonight and so privileged to be able to be found around the Word of God and to think about the great things that God has prepared for us. Lord, write your Word upon our hearts. May, O God, we take our chief joy and our chief delight in walking with the Saviour, Paul said that the Christian life was joy unspeakable and full of glory. He talked about joy in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. And Lord, may we delight in worship. May we delight in fellowship. May we delight, O God, in service. May, O God, we take our place at the Savior's side and really find our rest and our joy and our satisfaction in Him. Thank you tonight for the Savior who said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, and there remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. We pray tonight that you'll write your word upon our hearts, bless our fellowship together, take us then to our homes in safety, hear and answer prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name and for God's everlasting glory.